Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Hey, Steve Stein here. Thank you for joining me on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Uh, Today, I thought what I would talk to you about is my history with Ibanez guitars. I get asked all the time about my connection to Ibanez and kind of how that whole thing works. And it's actually kind of interesting because you might already know when I was a kid, I grew up in a trailer court and we were very poor. And my guitar beginnings at the age of 13, I got my first guitar. It was actually a Hondo, a Hondo 2 that was shaped like a Les Paul. And my parents had saved up and got me this guitar because I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And it's a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my childhood is pretty sketchy in my brain. So I can't remember everything. But when you don't have a lot of money, of course, you just have what you have. And that's the way it is. And so it's not like I had a bunch of guitars or had nice guitars or something like that, because I didn't. And then I graduated in 1988, and I actually graduated early. A buddy of mine and I were, our plan was to move to California and (laughs) try and hit it big and whatever. And so I graduated early. I was going to move with him. And so it never wound up happening. We didn't wind up moving. We checked it out and never went anywhere. But I graduated early and then started prepping for college. And being a kid who never had money, and all of a sudden I have student loan or grant money, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I went to the local music store, which was called Marguerite's Music in Moorhead at the time. And this is 1988 in Fargo, North Dakota. So What you knew about guitars were either from neighbors or friends that might play, which I had very few of, and magazines that you'd read and things like that. And I'd played some guitars in some of the local used or guitar shops, that sort of thing here and there. But I still didn't really have my, so to speak, guitar legs at that point, even when I was 18. You know, I was still trying to figure things out. I could play fairly well, I think, relatively speaking, but I didn't understand a lot about theory and didn't, my technique wasn't as far along as I maybe wanted it to be, that sort of thing. But I went to the local music store and I was going to buy a guitar with this money that I got from Moorhead State University to get a guitar and get ready to do my whole college thing. And I knew I didn't want something that was just regular. I wanted something that was outrageous. And the Ibanez Gem had just come out. And they had a couple of models of them at Marguerite's. And so my buddy bought the green one and I bought the pink one, not knowing anything about the green one having limited edition and that sort of thing. Nothing like that. Just he bought the green one. I bought the pink one. And that's where the whole Ibanez thing started for me was it really had nothing to do with, oh, I want an Ibanez and I want an Ibanez gem and I'm not even sure I really understood what the Ibanez gem was at the time. Although, I mean, I knew it was connected to Steve Vai from articles written in the guitar magazines, advertisements, that sort of thing. And that's where it started. And so that was the end of the money that I had for that. And it's not, again, at the time, 
playing, going to college and, and started playing in bands and that sort of thing. It never really dawned on me that I needed to own, you know, 30 guitars. That was never something that was in my brain. It was just, you had a guitar, that's what you had. So I played that pink gem for everything because it really was the only thing that I had other than a couple of cheaper guitars like my Hondo, which I ultimately wound up getting rid of and wound up getting a Harmony. It was a like an SG, like a Gibson SG, and it was a Harmony. So there were those guitars that I had, but obviously the big one was that Pink Ibanez Jam. So I played that for all the bands I would play with, whether it was rock bands or ensembles in school or sessions, things that I would do, and maybe I was doing blues stuff or whatever, and that's it. That's what I played was that Ibanez Jam. And so sometimes I'd probably walk in and I'm sure people were going, well, why are you wearing, why are you going to play that guitar? Even though they wouldn't say anything, but that's just what I did for everything. So this is where the story that I always tell about guitar tone for me wasn't really about different amps and different pedals and things. Because again, if I think about those days back then, I didn't have different amps. I had one amp and I played that amp forever in bands and everything. It was a line six that I had that I played for everything. And I had that Ibanez jam and that's what I played. Didn't have pedals, didn't go buy pedals all the time, that sort of thing. My EMG story, which I'll tell sometime, but that started later in the 90s, probably the mid 90s, early 90s. That's when that started. And that was another big revelation in my guitar journey. But really, it started with that Ibanez jam. So getting used to having 24 frets, getting used to having two humbuckers in a single coil, having a thin neck like that, like that was everything to me was the comfort of that neck, having that Strat style guitar and just playing it for everything. And so for me, guitar tone was really based on the adjustment of the pickups, using the toggle switch, lowering my volume down, adjusting the tone, that sort of thing. So I would plug into whoever's amp, or if I was in the studio, I would use whatever amp was there, and I would just tweak my volume, my tone, and my toggle switch to kind of adjust to the tone that I needed. And because, you know, I didn't have different guitars to use for different situations, it was just that guitar that I used all the time. And formulating my guitar playing around that Ibanez jam is really the reason why, as I started my guitar career playing in bands and then looking at different guitars, purchasing not a lot of guitars, but certainly purchasing a couple of guitars along the way, I wound up getting Ibanez gems because I wound up sticking with that comfort that I knew. And again, growing up in Fargo, North Dakota, you're growing up in a community that's primarily based on strats and Les Pauls, right? That's the Midwestern kind of thing. And th there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine. They're great guitars. But that I knew that that isn't what I wanted. So spanning out to Ibanez, and getting that Ibanez gem, it's not like there were a lot of choices for Ibanez guitars around this area. I could drive to Minneapolis and I certainly had more options of guitars that I could purchase. But again, it's not like Ibanez gems were just readily available everywhere I went. So that's where it kind of started was... <laughs> you're enjoying this episode so far and you're getting motivated to take your guitar playing to the next level please do me a favor and leave us a rating on apple podcasts it'll help the show grow and reach more rock stars like you who want to improve their guitar playing also i'd love to know what parts of the episode you liked as well as what you learned 
So please share this podcast and tag us at guitarzoom.com on your social post. And now let's get back to the podcast. I had a, another guitar store in town that was right next to called Guitar Associates. Really great guys, really good friends of mine at the time. And I was teaching downtown Fargo. This would have been the late 80s, early 90s. And they had a lot of used, really great used gear. They knew I liked Ibanez. We had a friendship. And so they got in a couple of different things. And one of the things they wound up getting me was the Ibanez gem, the 10th anniversary. They wound up ordering that in from the Ibanez rep. They didn't have it in stock. They ordered it and I purchased it and wound up getting like this Ibanez satin jacket and got the certificate of authenticity, which did not come with the 10th anniversary. Steve, I was actually on tour in Japan and the guitar did not show up with it. So he personally signed one over in Japan and had it sent over to me, well, over to Guitar Associates. I was irrelevant, but it was pretty cool that they went through all this stuff to get me the 10th anniversary. So I wound up with that 10th anniversary Ibanez jam and then wound up getting the burnt flake one, wound up getting some used pink gems. I had the green gem. I actually bought from the friend that I was telling you about earlier. I bought his green gem and that's kind of where it started. So I had all of these gems and it's not that they all felt exactly the same because they didn't, you know, the necks were a little different here and there, depending on the model and that sort of thing. But it just made sense in my hands when I played. And so I never really considered other brands. It was just, I had this mentality in my mind. And you have to remember at this time too, my mentality was a performer's mentality because I wasn't doing a lot of recording or anything. Home recording didn't exist back then. And the only recording I would do is when I was called into one of the local recording studios or maybe the college. We had different colleges around here as well. And I would get called in to do some work, maybe some commercials or play on somebody's record, you know, do some solos or contribute to something that the college was doing or something like that. And so I would just use their whatever amps were in the studio at the time and then just use one of those guitars. And so it never occurred to me that I might want some different guitars because I always kind of wanted them to feel the same. So I've always thought of guitars as you sometimes will buy a guitar and you'll think, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then you'll get it and you'll start playing it and go, no, it's really not. And so because I had this performer's mentality of guitars, the guitars needed to play well. I needed to be able to do what I like to do on the guitar. I couldn't fight with the guitar. So I wanted this consistency with these different guitars. So no matter what one I grabbed, they all felt similar and I could approach them all very similar, which is why I kept with the Ibanez gem for so long and uh, didn't really try anything else. And then, of course, when EMGs came along and I was introduced to EMGs, I wound up using, which I still do to this day, but the EMGs kind of filled out for me the complete package of what the guitar needed to feel like and now needed to sound like. And so later realizing that the variety of guitars was actually a good thing. So now when I think about it, when I talk to people about guitars, I talk about them as I either have studio guitars or I have performance guitars. Now the performance guitars can be studio guitars for sure, but there's those elite few guitars that I own that are performance guitars, stage guitars. They're the ones that if I get called or I'm going to play with a band or whatever, they're the ones I'm going to take with me because they are the ones that my confidence level goes up and they're exactly what I use. 
the other guitars that I own, I consider studio guitars. They're guitars that maybe don't have the same pickups or they don't have the comfort in feeling 24 frets, that sort of thing that I normally would have, but they sound great. So maybe they have single coils. And now I do own some different guitars like Strats and Paul Reed Smiths and different things like that. And I don't put EMGs in everything. Sometimes I keep them the way they are. That way, when I do recording, whether I'm doing a session or I'm hired to do some work for somebody or I'm doing all the stuff that I do in my studio, I've got these different guitars that sound different and they do feel different. And it's okay that they feel different because I'm not going to use them for that performance level. Sometimes I'm just playing chords. Sometimes I'm just chugging on some palm muting stuff or I'm playing a riff or whatever and I want different pickups. Maybe I want some old school single coil pickups or PAF style humbuckers or something in that guitar for a different kind of sound. But I know that that guitar probably isn't going to leave the studio with me on stage, even though it might look nice or whatever. It's really not that guitar for me. So that's the way I approach it now. And of course, now, as much as I love those Ibanez gems, there's all kinds of different guitars that I use for performance, for stage, and of course in the studio that feel just as good that I'm now aware of now that I'm older and the world is more connected with social media and online purchasing and all these different kinds of things that we can do now. So that's kind of where the whole thing took me from those early days of Ibanez Gems and it kind of falling by accident into my lap, not something that I'd really planned out. It was just different. That's what I wanted was different. I wanted something that looked different, that felt different, and of course, my buddy and I, we were going to rule the world with these Ibanez gems because they look different. And as a result of that guitar, that really painted the pathway for me of what guitars I was going to play for the next 20 years of my life. And then subtle expansion from there. But it really wasn't until the last 15 years, 10 years that I've really started spanning out to a lot of different brands and things like that. Now, I have an Ibanez endorsement. Luckily for me, my endorsement isn't sort of exclusive endorsement. And oftentimes for me, endorsements, this is exactly how they work. It's not like I'm playing some guitar because I get free guitars and or they give me money or something like that. And now I'm playing a guitar that maybe I don't have this connection to that I'm telling you about, but it's free or I get promotion stuff or whatever it might be. You know, when I was in my 20s, my thought process would be very different. Now, being the age I am, all of my endorsements that I have are products that I've been playing my whole life. And so it's just a natural extension for me to have an endorsement with them, whether it be Ibanez or EMG or GHS strings or different kinds of things like that, that I've been using my whole life anyway. And so now having this endorsement connection to them is just a logical connection because it's what I've always played. And it's nice to have kind of a variable endorsement because then I can play other things too. Like none of those companies are upset because I play different brands. They're, we're just connected that they're glad I'm playing their brand and I'm glad that I'm playing their brand. And of course I would play their brand because that's what's most comfortable for me. So if that kind of makes sense, that's where the whole thing came from. It was just a natural movement forward of accidentally finding something that really fit great. And to be honest, I still think about the Ibanez gem, which is kind of an RG for those of you that haven't played the gems before in terms of feel and things like that. But that still defines 
that performance level guitar for me that I would play on stage, even if it's not an Ibanez, that having played that style of guitar for so long defines comfort for me. But now I can play with two pickups, two humbuckers without a single coil, or I can play with 22 frets and not have to have the 24 frets, and I'm still okay. I'm still very partial to having the Floyd Rose style tremolo on on the guitar. And yes, I've used Kaler and different things like that, but I very much prefer having the Floyd Rose. Now I have some guitars that don't have locking systems. They have the tuner lockers now versus the actual locking mechanism over the nut. And that was kind of weird for me because I was like, well, will it stay in tune? Because if you know anything about the old guitars, if they didn't have the locking system, they never stayed in tune ever. Now we have these guitars where now they don't have that locking system on the nut, but they still seem to stay in tune pretty darn well. And so I'm still learning as I go, but just I thought it would be fun to share that story with you about the Ibanez guitar and the Ibanez gem and how that whole thing kind of transpired really out of just one, number one, poverty, and number two, lack of resources to be able to try different guitars and just kind of falling into it and then it sort of defining everything that I'd done since then. So take care, stay positive. I hope that was kind of fun for you and something to think about, certainly, that the guitars that you choose can have a really huge impact on your playing style and the way you perceive guitar playing and that sort of thing, not just the guitar itself and the product, but the way you approach your playing. So take care, stay positive, and I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button. 